Hey, BSN Denver listeners. We're really excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out today. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural. It's also not psychoactive, and the coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2010 at checkout. That's promo code BSN2018 to get your StravaCraft coffee for 20% off and shipped straight to your door. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumwood. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new BSN Nuggets podcast, Tuesday edition of the show. Harrison Wind and Christian Clark here recording after this Nuggets loss. We are presented today, of course, by Total Beverage. Right now, for a limited time, Total Beverage has a, an exclusive deal for BSN listeners. You guys can actually get $10 off a $50 purchase or more on their website and app by using the promo code BSN10, BSN10. So again, you can use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 order for all your holiday parties and have it delivered right to your door. And of course, Total Beverage makes it super convenient. So you can have all your favorite liquor, wine, beer delivered right to your apartment, your house, your office, anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. Total Beverage, a longtime sponsor of the BSN Nuggets podcast. So make sure to check those guys out. Like I said, if you're in need of any wine, beer, spirits, any type of liquor for this upcoming week. Tough one tonight for the Nuggets. They fall in Detroit, 129 103, their worst loss in quite a while, I'd say. This was too bad, really, because it was coming off of such an emotional high, that win in Minnesota the other night, Denver getting the win on the second night of a back-to-back, getting Michael Malone into the All-Star game. I recorded a show after that game. I'm curious to get your thoughts about just beating Minnesota, getting Michael Malone the All-Star game, the Gatorade or water or whatever liquid that was bath he got in the locker room afterward what were kind of your impressions and takeaways from that game and then the locker room celebration afterward I was just kind of thinking about how things were when Malone got here and what things were like in this Nuggets organization you know right before Michael Malone's arrival Mm -hmm. and just thinking about how far the Nuggets have come I wrote a story that went out today kind of highlighting that. I mean, when you think back to the 2014-15 season, the the last year of Brian Chell right before Michael Malone came on the scene, I mean, things were kind of in shambles. Um, I, you know, I wrote my story that there was the one, two, three, six weeks chant where the Nuggets were looking for, ready for vacation with uh, a month and a half left to go in their season. 
you know, there was issues with Ty Lawson. Um, you know, their, their best player, I, I think, was dealing with some, some alcohol issues. And, I mean, it, it was just a mess. I mean, it, it needed to be torn down and completely rebuilt. Michael Malone, you know, along with Tim Conley and Arturis Karnasovas, have really rebuilt this thing from the foundation. Like, it's been a total ground-up effort, and we're really starting to see, you know, what that progress looks like just of steady building this year. Yeah, and we've talked about this a lot, and I've hammered this point home many times. I really feel like this front office rebuilt the culture and the locker room here, really how they had to. Denver wasn't going to be a top free agent destination for quite a bit until the Nuggets really built this thing up into what they are now. And so Denver had to build through the draft, of course, a hit on some low-priced rotation guys who had maybe fallen out of favor other places throughout the league. And they certainly hit in the draft and targeted shooting for one, but also, and I think more importantly, and a place a higher priority on targeting high character, self-motivated guys. And like I said, they hit on a bunch of draft picks. They hit on a couple rotation guys like Will Barton, who had been overlooked and had fallen out of favor in places like Portland. And they really rebuilt this thing the right way. And now we saw that they're in a position to get a free agent like Paul Millsap and maybe to get some other intriguing pieces next summer. So I really feel like they built this team the right way. And when you bring in a lot of high character, really good locker room and chemistry guys, you get a locker room like the Nuggets have right now where there's not a bad guy in that locker room. They're all playing for each other. They're all so excited to see each other succeed. You've got a guy like Monte Morris who hopes Isaiah Thomas comes back. And I don't want this to come out the wrong way, but hopes he steals some of his playing time. That's how excited he is for Isaiah to get back here. So it's cool what the Nuggets have built. And I think the locker room and the chemistry on this team really just exemplifies exactly how they've rebuilt this roster. You know, one of the other things I was thinking about too while I watched those videos of the Nuggets, you know, pouring water on Michael Malone. By the way, some of that water looked like it was from like the tub you soak your feet in after the game. Yeah. I hope the Nuggets didn't take like their foot water and dump it on Malone. I hope it was drinking water. But (laughs) the other thing I was thinking of was Jokic was right there in the middle dumping water on Malone, pushing him, hugging him. You know, those two guys have a great relationship between, you know, best player and coach. And I think, you know, with with Malone and Jokic, I think they're pretty different guys. They got pretty different approaches to the game. Malone's like this intense grinder and Jokic, you know, people in the Nuggets organization describe him as an artist. Like they say, you've just got to let him paint the canvas the way he wants to paint it. I think those are two pretty different ways of looking at basketball. And I think what you've seen from this Nuggets team is, a happy medium, but between those kind of two styles, I guess. Malone lets Jokic be Jokic, but he's also, you know, challenged him to become a better defender. He's challenged him to be get in better shape. He's challenged him to be a better leader. And I think Jokic has made strides in all of those areas. So, you know, he's really made it work with Nicole Jokic. And I don't think a lot of coaches could have done that necessarily. And to your point, Michael Malone is a guy from Queens who like, grew up in this hardcore traditional basketball family. Both him and his father are NBA lifers. Nikola Jokic is a kid from Serbia who grew up racing horses. Like <laughs> You can't get much different than those two guys just in terms of their upbringing and how they've really found this 
common foothold in basketball, obviously. It's been impressive. And I mean, both have probably worked that relationship. Jokic maybe on the defensive end of the floor and Michael Malone going over to Serbia and hanging out with Jokic and connecting with his family and his hometown over the summer. So there's been compromises on both sides, I think. But yeah, and I think, you know, one of the biggest reasons why it works is they're very different, but they're both competitive as hell. Sure. Like, don't let Jokic fool you. I mean, Malone, we know that. That's like he wears his emotions on his sleeve sometimes. I mean, he's done a better job of just not being steaming mad after every single loss. Like, you just can't live life that way in the NBA with 82 games. But Jokic is competitive as hell, too. I mean, mm-hmm. that guy's in a terrible mood after they lose games. So it's definitely, a, I guess, one of the unifying threads that they have. The other reason the chemistry has been so good this year is obviously because they're winning. <laughs> Everything's better when you're winning for sure. I don't think we'd be talking about the chemistry like we do if this team was like one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah, they'd still have good chemistry, but it wouldn't obviously pop like it does on the court together. And the winning ha- has definitely helped that out as well. But they didn't get the win tonight in Detroit, like I mentioned. I felt like I was kind of holding off getting to this game <laughs> for the last couple minutes, but we might as well get to it. They lose 129-103. This was an ugly one. I called this maybe the worst loss since that loss in Phoenix at the beginning of January. I, I think my biggest takeaway from this game, and it was off of something Michael Malone said afterward, he was pretty pointed in his comments after the game. He said, Quote, I felt tonight was one of the few games this year where things weren't going our way and we just kind of gave in. That's probably the most disappointing thing about tonight's game is we had a few guys just kind of give in and not continue to fight. I felt like Denver just didn't really play with its normal edge tonight. And I know the Nuggets were undermanned. They've been undermanned a lot this year, but they've still had that fight. They have still had that spirit. They've still had that edge. I didn't see that tonight. Did you agree with what Michael Malone had to say after the game? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think this was the third, maybe fourth time that the Nuggets have lost by double digits this season. I mean, they're they're competitive and right there until the end. And almost every game this year, this is one of the few instances when they weren't. This one, that Clippers one comes to mind. Um, yeah, they didn't play with that edge. I mean, Andre Drummond. I still can't say his last name. <laughs> Andre Drummond, like Drummond. a drum you play okay. in. All right, and, thank you. In Andre Drummond. You've just got to help me through this every single podcast. We talk about the Pistons. But well, good thing we only have to talk about him twice a year. Drummond, I mean, he killed the Nuggets. Like, that's, that's a guy that you, you hate to see kill you, too. It's like, Jokic, Jokic should outplay that guy. Like, Jokic mm-hmm. should cook him. I mean, he roasted Denver on the boards. I mean, that's his best skill. He leads the NBA in offensive rebound. He gets five a game. He averages. He got six in this game. Nuggets just got beat up inside. I mean, they weren't out there contesting three-point shooters. Um, they deserve to lose this game. Yeah, I mean, Andre Drummond won 12-14 from the field. He had six offensive rebounds. He had six offensive rebounds in this game. Denver only had 10 as a team. I'm not a fan of one coaches put their losses on a lack of hustle, a lack of fight, a lack of getting the 50-50 balls. But Michael Malone was spot on in this case, I thought, because Denver just didn't have that fight tonight. And I don't know why. Um, second game of a four-game road trip in a city like Detroit in an empty arena. You know, I don't know. I wasn't at the game. I couldn't really get a feel for the environment there, but it didn't look like a real exciting place to play by any means. And that's not an excuse for sure. But 
Denver just didn't look like they were into the game tonight. They didn't play with that same intensity that they certainly did 48 hours ago in Minnesota, especially in that second half. So I thought it was a bit surprising. And you can put some of it on the injuries probably, but like I said, Denver's been undermanned this whole year. They were without three of five starters tonight. I mean, we got the news that Paul Millsap was going to be out. Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, we already had a good idea that those guys were going to be out. How big of a factor did those injuries play, do you think, tonight? Oh, I mean, it, it definitely caught up to Denver a little bit tonight. I mean, the starters looked okay, I thought, at the beginning of this game. This game kind of started to get away when those reserves came in in the second quarter there. Well, I don't think either team missed a shot in the first quarter. Yeah, yeah. It's 36-34 after one quarter of play. Yeah, I mean, Malik Beasley hit his first three threes. I think Monte Morris hit his first five shots of the game. So they, they looked okay coming out of the gates initially. But, you know, a couple of those guys who are normally bench guys have to be elevated into the starting lineup. And all of a sudden, there, there's not that much firepower on your bench. Um, the Nuggets got outscored 60 to 28 in bench points tonight. Pretty <laughs> striking disparity there. So yeah, they, they just didn't have that juice off the bench like they normally do because obviously, I mean, they're, they're really good bench guys had to be in the starting lineup. And it's not like Detroit has an unbelievable bench. I mean, let me list off these bench players for Detroit and you tell me who could get minutes in the Nuggets rotation out of these guys. Langston Galloway, probably not. Zaza Pachulia, probably not. Ish Smith, definitely not. Kyrie Thomas, Jose Calderon, John Lohr, Stanley Johnson, Luke Kennard. Maybe Stanley Johnson's the only guy, and he hasn't even had a good season, but that could maybe crack the Nuggets' nine-man rotation. So it's not like the Pistons are particularly deep, but, I mean, they just hit a lot of shots tonight for sure. Yeah, Stanley Johnson, four for five from three. Uh, I don't anticipate that happening very many nights this season. Right. He came into this game shooting 26% from three. Got some more thoughts on this game. Let's go ahead and hit a break real quick. Got to pay some bills here on the BSN Nuggets podcast, but we'll be right back after this. If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, which is a full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, we have national bands. We have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at mosdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Mo's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend some Mo's to someone because we can cater to all needs, a family-friendly atmosphere. We have Colorado beers on tap, all the games on the TVs. It will blow your mind with amazing barbecue. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast, Tuesday edition of the program. We are presented today, of course, by Total Beverage. Make sure you check those guys out. Plug in promo code BSN10 to get $10 off a $50 purchase or more on Total Beverage's website and app. 
So let's get back into this Nuggets loss here and, and some big takeaways. 129-103. We kind of mentioned the three-point shooting. That was where Detroit really hurt Denver. They were 16-37 on the on the game. It was interesting. I was looking up some defensive trends for Denver over the last couple months and over the course of the season. The Nuggets have given up the most corner threes in the league by a healthy margin this year. This was heading into tonight. But on the year, the Nuggets had given up before this Detroit game 482 corner threes. That was the highest mark in the league. The next highest is Memphis at 426. There's a huge disparity there. That's per NBA.com. So I was curious to see how Detroit would do from three-point range and particularly from the corners. Per NBA.com, not a ton of threes given up by Denver from the corners, but Detroit hurt Denver from everywhere else beyond the three-point line. Like I mentioned, 16 to 37. A lot of those were just wide open looks. I clipped a couple in post game article on bsendeavor.com right now. Detroit hit six threes in the first quarter. Five of those are pretty much wide open. And I don't know, in my opinion, that goes back to what we just talked about with what Mike and Blown had to say after this one. Just not that extra effort mentality that Denver has really played with for a lot of this season. What did you kind of attribute the, I guess, lack of three point defense to? Was it kind of what Malone had outlined in his post game. Yeah, I mean, they just looked like a days ago, yeah. to be honest. I mean, it was it just took one or two passes. The Pistons didn't have to work very hard to, to get those good looks. I'm curious, you know, Nuggets are giving up a ton of corner threes, like you just said um, recently, most in the NBA. Why do you think that is? I mean, do, do you think it's a scheme thing? or Partly. What? I mean, it's got to be a partly a scheme thing. Yeah. There's no way there can be that big of a disparity, and it's just by chance. Yeah, It's got to be some of the stuff we've been talking about for this year when it's come to the defense and in years past. I don't know, but it always seems like Denver really crashes the interior, really sinks into pay a ton of attention to pick and roll rollers, big men coming down the lane, and a lot of times they'll sag off those corner shooters and provide help around the basket. Sometimes over help, it certainly seems. And that is a case where teams get off a lot of open threes against Denver. So I think that's partly due to it. And the other reason I would think is um, KYP, knowing your personnel. I mean, how many times have we heard Michael Malone say this year, I wouldn't be surprised if our guys didn't even know who we were playing when we rolled into the arena this morning. It's a little bit of of an over-exaggeration, but He's hinted a lot of times throughout the year that he's not sure how many of his guys read the scouting report. And so I think that might have something to do with it too. Just sagging off of shooters versus non-shooters, rotating to uh, cover non-shooters and leaving shooters open. So that might have something to do with it too. Yeah, I mean, it it does seem like the Nuggets just get really hard on the helpline. I mean, how many times have we seen a guy like dribbling the ball the right side of the key and just make that, that skip pass all the way to the corner for mm-hmm. like a wide open three that I think you're right that the, the Nuggets are really concerned about the roll man and the pick and roll. And maybe some of that's, you know, kind of protecting Nicole Jokic a little bit. But yeah, that's what I see too. I mean, this game, yeah. I mean, I, I think it was mostly just effort and focus. Um, I mean, I, I don't think like they played. They had like a bad game plan or anything. I think the Nuggets just weren't really up for this one. Going back to the lack of depth that we were talking about, it was definitely a factor tonight, no doubt. The Monte Morris, Malik Beasley backcourt. And I want to talk about those guys a little more in depth here in a minute. They've been playing great. 
Denver was also without Paul Millsap tonight, which hurt. But because they were without Paul Millsap and they were very thin on the front line, Tyler Lydon was thrust into this rotation, and it didn't go particularly well. The lineup that was out there at the beginning of the second quarter played three minutes together. They got outscored by 10 points. It was Tyler Lydon, Trey Lyles, Torrey Craig, Monte Morris, and Juancho Hernan Gomez. Pretty much a bench lineup with Monte Morris in there as your one starter. And that group did not look good together on either end of the floor. Kind of represented the depth that Denver was missing without three starters tonight, I thought. Yeah, I mean, I, I almost feel bad for Tyler Lydon because, you know, the, the few times that we've seen him out there, like, playing regular rotation minutes, it's only happened two or three times a season. Um, it, it just doesn't look like he belongs right now. Well, it's tough because when was the last time Nuggets practiced? Two, three weeks ago? They're so banged up, they can't even practice, they can't even scrimmage. If you're Tyler Lydon, you're only able to play three-on-three games with Isaiah Thomas, Michael Porter Jr., and the Nuggets player developmental guys. I know Stephen Graham was a really good player in college, but it's a little different than going up against NBA guys in practice. You know, he had a major surgery on, on his knee last year, but, you know, in this game, I mean, it was semi-disastrous, the, the three minutes they were here. Yeah. He was out there in the first half. Like, he drove into the middle, got a shot blocked like 20 feet behind him, and then just fell on his back, and the Pistons go down and score on the other end. I mean... That was that was a pretty brutal stretch, and it, it wasn't just him too. I mean, it's it was the whole group, but yeah, I mean, I, I kind of feel for Tyler right now. Um, it's you know tonight was an opportunity for him, and uh, it, it didn't go well in those limited minutes. Yeah, you would think that G League reps would be good for him because before his injury, he had actually had some nice moments in the G League for Rio Grande Valley, playing with Monte Morris last year for that affiliate of the Rockets. He actually had some good looks, had some good run down there. So I would think that would be advantageous for him to get some minutes because, I mean, I'm under the school of thought that you're really only going to get better with reps. And he's not able to get reps uh, with the Nuggets right now in practice or in a game setting. I want to expand a little on Monte and Malik here over the last couple of weeks because they've really been the story, in my opinion, Gary Harris has been banged up. Jamal Murray has been banged up. Monte Morris and Malik Beasley, for the most part, have looked like a starting NBA backcourt over these last three or four games. Malik had that career high a couple nights ago. Monte almost had a triple-double in Minnesota. He's just been so solid here. What have you learned about these guys here over the last two, three-week stretch when they've been playing heavy, heavy minutes. I mean, obviously they've been contributing all year long. They've been solid all year long. They've both been hitting threes. They've both been playing pretty good defense, I felt like. But it certainly seems like over this most recent stretch, whether it be one or two weeks, they've really just kind of established themselves as, oh, I mean, I'm not surprised when Malik Beasley scores 18 points anymore. I'm not surprised when Monte Morris scores 15 to 20 points in Hits three triples. Yeah, I mean they're they're both playing so well right now. Um, Malik hit his first three threes in this game, and then he missed a couple in a row. Um, Malik still make makes some mistakes here and there, but largely, I mean, what he's been able to do this year is just eye opening. Um, coming into this game, in the nine starts Beasley's made this year, he's averaging more than eighteen points a game and shooting sixty one percent from the field. I mean, that's Crazy. just absurd. I can't believe Malik Beasley is this good this early in his career, to be honest with you. I mean, this is a guy who was really frustrated that he couldn't crack into the rotation consistently his first two years in the league. And 
man, is this guy taking some strides this year? Um, I, I still think there are some times when he may be a little too trigger happy and like he should keep the ball moving, but I mean, he was 16 of his last 31 from three point range. I mean, he's been unreal, man. He's, he's a freaking beast. And honestly, what he's been able to do this year, just, I mean, it makes you rethink some things and, and almost think that like Malik Beasley needs to be in this team's plans. Like they need this guy. <laughs> are you talking directly to me when, uh, when you say that, based on my statements from earlier this year, how I'd rather have Wancho. <laughs> I think I was kind of in the same boat with you. I mean, it's it was tough. It was tough. But, I mean, I think the answer is clearly Beasley now um, right. with what we've seen. Um, I mean, he, that guy is unbelievable. Um, you know, Monte Morris. Monte Morris just never takes any bad shots. Like, I, I think True. that's such a, a big part of his success. He only takes like a looks. I mean, he just doesn't settle for for bad shots. He's, I mean, Trey Lyles played well in this game, so I don't mean to like kill the guy, but like that's one of the biggest differences between Monte and Trey. Like so often, I feel like Trey is taking those C plus looks, and Monte's getting her an, an A or an A plus look every single time. He takes the open three if it's there. He's he's so deadly in the mid range. I tweeted this out during the game, shooting forty nine percent on mid range shots this season. That's ninetieth percentile among point guards according to Cleaning the Glass. And he's a pretty decent finisher, too. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you almost can't say enough good things about both of those guys. Monte is also shooting something like 62% in the restricted area and in the paint, non-restricted area, since December 1st, I believe. So, like, he's not the biggest guy in the world. He can get tossed around a little in the paint. He's 175 I'd be surprised if he could tip the scales at that. But, uh, yeah, once he gets into the paint, man, he, he's a pretty expert finisher in there with those floaters, left and right hand going high off the glass. Yeah, he's got good footwork, too. Like, he's kind of got those stutter steps in transition, and, and he knows how to use the backboard and the rim to protect his shot, too. Monte Morris, going back to what you were saying about how he always takes A-plus shots, never any wasted motion either with him. When he dribbles, he's always dribbling to get to a spot or to do something with it. He's not somebody who's going to pound the air out of the ball either. You know how we always talk about, like, Nicole Jokic is like a computer. Like, whenever a play happens, a pass is made, he can instantly, like, detect, like, yes, this is a good enough shot. We should take this one. Like, he, he just automatically knows, like, what the right play is is to make and – He's just not going to force any any bad looks. Monte Morris is kind of similar in that way. Like he, he knows exactly when to keep the ball moving, when the offense needs to flow, and when there's like a little opening for him mm-hmm. to attack too. He's he's kind of they're wired a, a little bit the same way I think. Malik Beasley is 22 years old, right? Um, Gary yep. Harris is 24 years old, correct? Yep. What are the chances that Malik Beasley has? Maybe higher ceiling isn't the right word, but just develops into a better player, a better all-around player than Gary Harris. I can't believe I'm asking that question, but with how well Malik Beasley has played here and with Gary Harris's injuries and how I feel like he's had a disappointing season for his standards, I guess it's a question we could ask. Well, I, it just sucks because Gary came out so well this year. I mean, he was a beast Denver's first 15 games or so. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, these injuries have just been a killer for him. Um, I don't know. I would say 
Thirty percent, yeah, something like that. That's like about I would, what I was thinking, maybe thirty-five. I would still take Gary, um, and you know, I think Beasley is like in one-game samples. Like Beasley's capable of being better than Gary, but like I think Gary's going to be more consistent for you. You know, Beasley had thirty-five against Houston. I think Gary's career high is like thirty-seven. Like well, th- that was one of the first starts of Beasley's career, and he was two off Gary's career high. Think about the player Gary was two years ago, right? He was still really good. But, I mean, Malik right now might be a better player than Gary was at 22. Yeah, he's getting maybe, uh, I'd have to look at their minutes, but maybe a bit of more of an opportunity here, especially late, just in terms of volume of shots and whatnot with how banged up Denver is. There were a lot of mouths to feed back then for Gary. But, I mean, what he's doing at 22 years old, that's impressive. I mean, it's really impressive, and... Here's something else you can say from Malik, too. Gary Harris is a tremendous athlete. This guy, I think he, this guy honestly could have been a receiver in the NFL. He like, thinks he could have. That, you know, he was an all-state receiver, probably could have gone anywhere to play football. Football he, was his favorite sport in high school before he eventually settled on basketball. He says he was better at football than basketball. I mean, go look up the numbers. He Honestly, he might have been. Um, but chooses to go to Michigan State, yada, yada, yada. Balling out as an NBA shooting guard. Malik Beasley is, like, I don't know, significantly, but he's a clear-cut better athlete than Gary Harris. Basketball athleticism. They're both, like, power athletes, too, you know? Like, we always yeah. talk about, about Gary about being this power athlete, this football background. Like, he dunks it like a football player. Um, Malik is also super powerful. He, he's just, like, almost more powerful than Gary. Well, he gets he jumps higher. He, he's twitchier. He's faster. The one say, thing I will say Gary has on him, Gary has better body control. Gary yeah. has tremendous body control. Yeah. Better hand-eye coordination, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Gary's handles better right now, for sure. And also, I mean, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Well, Gary is the epitome of Jokic ball from a guard perspective, right? We yeah. know that. I'm still taking Gary. No, yeah. yeah. I, I know, but... Just to bring this conversation back to to basketball, I guess, and to the Nuggets and the Nuggets offense, like the fit and how Gary plays with Jokic, how unselfish he is, his basketball IQ, which I got to think is leaps and bounds above Malik's, whose basketball IQ has really grown here this year for sure, taking, taking a lot of steps forward. But Gary has just some things, some intangibles, I believe, that you can't teach and some guys just don't have yeah yeah uh, i would agree with that um i mean he's just tailor made to play next to Jokic too let's hit another break real quick we'll wrap up with some final thoughts on this game and also look ahead to wednesday's edition of the show where we'll be recording an all-star themed podcast we'll explain what we mean by that on the other side of this break we'll be right back Hey, BSN fans, your favorite Colorado Sports Network has partnered with your favorite Colorado beer, and we're giving them away for free. But in true BSN fashion, we're not letting you go to some major chain for it. We want you to go to your local neighborhood bar and support a real Colorado business. That's why we've created the bar page where any BSN subscriber can go in and get a free beer 
whenever they want. Just go to bsnbars.com and you can get one free Coors Banquet at any bar on that list. All you have to do is show the bartender the VIP image on that page in your browser and you can retrieve a free Coors Banquet beer at any of those bars. There are over 20 bars there. You're sure to find one close to you. It's bsnbars.com. Find a bar and get a free Coors Banquet on the house. Thanks for listening to the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast. We are presented today by Total Beverage, of course. Wrapping up this show, the Nuggets lose 129-103 to Detroit. They're in Brooklyn on Wednesday and then in Philly on Friday. Tough couple games to close out this road trip before they come back to Denver here. Last thing I want to touch on, Trey Lyles, maybe the silver lining of this game, had a nice game in Minnesota the other night. 19 points, follows us up. That one up with 20 points in Detroit. I mean, if Paul Millsap is going to be a little banged up like he is right now and kind of struggling a bit on the offensive end of the floor, which I feel like he has at times this year, Nuggets kind of need Trey Lyles to at least give them something off the bench. I feel like there's been a couple times this year when Trey Lyles is playing 20 to 30 minutes, and obviously he played 29 minutes tonight without Paul Millsap, but kind of get the feeling the Nuggets need something from Trey Lyles here. They need him to break out of this season-long shooting slump. Maybe tonight was a step in the right direction. He goes 8-13 to from the field, but only 2-6 of from 3. How much do you think Denver needs from him down the stretch? Do you think he's going to be a guy that Denver counts on, or do you think Denver can get by and keep doing what they're doing, even with Millsap and now the lineup, if Lyles still is struggling from the field and from three. Well, I mean, two for six from three, that's a hot shooting night, the way things have been going for him lately. True. Um, sitting right at 25, 26% from three this year. I mean, this is a guy who shot 38% from three the, the year before. It, it, it's just crazy the dip he's taken as an outside shooter. Um, yeah, I mean, tonight was a, a step in the right direction, I guess. He made some shots. He was still out there when, like, in the second quarter when the game kind of got away from Denver. Yeah. I mean, that well, that's a, why his plus minus looks so bad tonight. Yeah. All that groups did. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, the Nuggets, if they're really in a pinch and Millsap is going to miss some games, I mean, they can just start plumbing the Jokic. That's what they did tonight. That's probably what I would expect them to continue to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good combination for them. It's developed into a good combination for him over time. But yeah, I mean, they're going to need a little juice from Lyles, especially if Wancho's kind of, I mean, Wancho, he feels like he's been a no-show um, lately. I mean, if, if they're not getting anything from him, then yeah, they're going to need a little something from Lyles. Right. They got Lyles going a little bit here over these last two games. They still need to get Wancho going though. He looks like he's been running on E, running on empty for the last two months here. I don't know what's going on with him. He's been battling various injuries. He had the groin or the core. I don't even remember what it was, but it was more than just that, I have a feeling. And you know, he just hasn't looked like his normal uh, sprightly self. He's not playing with that same flair, that same spirit that we know Wancho plays with. So they'll need to get him going. I'm sure there will be times later this season when Denver needs some big-time contributions from Wancho. All right, well, I mean, that's all I got from this game. I don't think there's much else to say. It was a rough loss, probably Denver's worst loss since that defeat to the Suns earlier this month. The injury is kind of taking a toll, it seems like. 
Yeah, I mean, no reason to be alarmed, I don't think. Uh, yeah, six, I agree. Six-game winning streak coming into this game, down three starters. I mean, if they play with this effort level or lack of effort in Brooklyn, then, yeah, maybe start to be, like, a little bit worried. But I think they're going to bounce back and be fine. They will need to play with more effort against Brooklyn because, like we saw earlier this season, when Brooklyn beat Denver – at Pepsi Center, one of the few teams to do that this year. If you don't come out with an edge against Brooklyn, they're good enough to beat you, and obviously Philly is too. Philly's playing at a high level right now. You're going to be rooting for Brooklyn and your your Harris jersey? Well, dude, well, don't out me like that. <laughs> don't out me like that. I've got a Joe Harris jersey hanging right next to Spencer Dinwiddie jersey. <laughs> come on. Man. I'm just playing. On tomorrow's show, we're going to do – an all-star game mock draft. Yeah, you heard that right. One of us will be Team LeBron. One of us will be Team Giannis. I'm not sure who will be which. We might have to flip a coin. But we'll draft our respective all-star teams, how we would do it if one of us was LeBron James and one of us was Giannis. Not necessarily how we think they're going to draft, but if we were in that position... How would we build the best all-star team possible? I have a feeling Nikola Jokic is going to be a high draft pick out of the reserves. That's what we'll do on tomorrow's show, on Wednesday's show. I think that's all we got for tonight's program, though. Thanks for listening, guys. If you got a second, please head on over to iTunes. Drop us a quick five-star review if you don't mind. It literally takes 10 seconds. And if you have a question for the show, don't hesitate. Hit up the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. 1-800-BSNA-394. That's 1-800-BSNA-394. If you got a question about the All-Star game or a take about this Nuggets team right now, we want to hear from you. And with that, we'll be back with another episode on Wednesday. Talk to you then. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out elixinol.com.